This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And helping take our leadership to the next level this Christmas season is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Well, and Merry Christmas to you, Sam. Merry Christmas, Richard. It's uh, it's hard to believe another Christmas is upon us. Yeah, and uh, happens man, every year. It seems it does. Like. It's yeah. it just seems like an annual thing now. <laughs> uh, we, uh, you know, it's it's probably my favorite time of year. And I and I was talking to your son the other day, actually, Daniel. And saying how I think it's probably the also the most nostalgic holiday. Yeah. Like I think when you get around Christmas, you just you feel nostalgic. And I don't know if that's because growing up you have certain traditions, um, and and those just sort of always crop back up every year around Christmas, even long into adulthood when you've got kids and you know we've got a three year old and a. 10 month old and uh, we've already started some Christmas traditions and yeah. I think everybody uh, or most people have traditions that they do. Yeah. And it's funny the holidays. when you talk to people about that because some of the traditions is like, really? You do that every year? Yeah. I've heard, I've heard, <laughs> that's like, I think we have some mutual <laughs> friends that I think Christmas Eve, which it, you know, it's just bizarre to me because I had a totally different tradition, but every Christmas Eve they eat at Waffle House. Yeah. And it's like, oh, really? Like, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, yeah. that's so left field to, to sort of what yeah. I grew up with. Yeah. And yet, you know, I it, I think traditions are so important. Uh, it's because it's, a lot of times it's not even how exotic it was, you know, uh, but the fact that you just, that's that was just special to your family and that's yeah. just what you always did. And uh, and so, yeah, I, we're, you know, we're kind of the same way. I've I was just driving my seven-year-old uh, twin grandsons home from school yesterday, and they were already talking about their tr- their Christmas traditions. And they're yeah. like, they're seven, you know. But yeah. th- but there's just certain traditions things start young, you know, that you do. And it would and it doesn't take long before you'd say it just wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't do this, you know. We didn't eat mm-hmm. that, and we didn't take time to do this. And and uh, I, you know, I think for as parents, that I think traditions, uh, you know, certainly they can become cumbersome and and uh, abused like anything else but uh but they also give you a certain sense of grounding in your yeah. family and and when you look back on your childhood you you realize well those were the you know, that's what kind of grounded me in our family and what we celebrated what we valued and thought was important and and so yeah i you know i for for us certainly there was some food elements and of course we were we i grew up i would say on the verge of of being poor, um, in the sense that we, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of money, couldn't go out and eat a lot, uh, couldn't just always afford exotic groceries. But, uh, but my mother, uh, had certain things that she made. A bunch of those were, and from, she was a good cook too. She was. And, and, uh, and she had gotten a lot of that stuff from her, her mother, who was an excellent cook as well. And so the one time a year you knew that there was going to be plenty of dessert a and feast. Oh, lots yeah. to graze on. My mom would make this kind of Christmas bread every year that you just grazed on all Christmas Day. And, yeah. uh, and you know, she'd, you knew, like she'd bring out the Christmas bread and you knew that that was there for just grazing on. And Yeah, there were no, <clears> there were the, sort of the, the eating rules were kind of suspended. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, hey stuff is just out and you can just eat oh all, all day you know and <laughs> for better or worse and i remember just as a, a hungry active boy that uh that was just 
so blessed. And, you know, and there were some tough years, uh, I know, growing up in Canada and the middle school years were, were tough. And, uh, and yet it just seemed like Christmas was that extended break in the middle of the year that you just could just kind of get away from. It was kind of um, magical and, you know, you could just enjoy getting some presents and yeah. good food and just some time away from school and normal life and well it's, it's such a break from the men, the mundane and the monotony of of normal life yeah and of course who doesn't like gifts and uh yeah. family coming together and good food so you know i as i was thinking about this christmas i thought uh it might be just uh, interesting again i've done this in years past and just reflected a little bit about you know what are the what are the feelings that come from the Christmas story? What are the truths that kind of bubble up to the surface when you think about just the story in the Bible of Christmas? What, what Why is it that it, it kind of spawns things like giving gifts and eating food and and uh, celebrating with family? A, lo- a lot of that is embedded in the Christmas story itself. And hmm. so I thought I'd just take a few minutes and just, just reflect a little bit about the Christmas story and how it I think it continues to speak into our lives. And uh, and as you're even planning your own Christmas traditions this year with your family, um, you may not get turkey dinner and dressing out of the Christmas story, but uh, uh, but I, I think there's a lot you can pull from it and you can apply it in your life. And so uh, one of the first, what, you know, this is just kind of random thoughts here, but one thing that always strikes me about the Christmas story is the surprise. There, there are just a number of surprises. Uh, yeah. it, it'll say suddenly, uh, you know, an angel uh, spoke or suddenly a host of angels were singing. Uh, and uh, just the unexpectedness. Uh, Joseph has about four different dreams where an angel speaks to him. At times telling him, get up right now in the middle of the night and and clear your family out of here. Uh, yeah. Your lives are in danger, uh, or your baby's life is in danger. And just the suddenness of an an, an angelic uh, visitation. Mary's going about her day, and suddenly there's Gabriel, and your heart starts to race, and you just you you're you're caught totally by surprise. Uh, for a bunch of shepherds on the night shift, and suddenly there's uh, an angel choir singing uh, for you, and you it, you just. The, the kind of change of plans. Uh, Joseph is uh, thinking that he's going to just settle down here in Bethlehem, and all of a sudden he's told, "Get up right now and flee to Egypt." And uh, and so the the suddenness, the surprise, uh, and of course Christmas time is there's lots of surprises and little twists and and surprise gifts and surprise foods and surprise visits from relatives and. Uh, you know, I think uh, in our some somewhat mundane lives, we all probably need a few surprises. Uh, yeah, uh, things that that aren't ordin- aren't ordinary. Um, I, maybe that's what makes Christmas a little bit magical. Is this might be the only time all year that we do this? You know, but yeah. um, maybe that I, I know. My wife grew up with a midnight mass she went to, and so mm-hmm. you stayed up way past your bedtime any other day of the year but i think i think my three-year-old would love that (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's probably does that anyway without even knowing uh and so surprise is certainly one of those feelings uh and you know i i i just think of christmas mornings and coming out in my pajamas and still maybe a little bleary-eyed and and then you see stuff that's under the tree that wasn't there the night before and you and you open up presents and you're blown away that this is what you got and 
Um, I think we all kind of need some pleasant surprises like that. And Christmas is one of those moments. Uh, a second thing is just hope. Uh, hope you know, light shines in, in the darkness. And there's a lot of darkness in our world today. Mm-hmm. A lot of negative news. And I think, again, one of the things, uh, you know, the stories are told even during World War I that uh, on Christmas Day, soldiers actually came out of the trenches on both sides and played soccer games or did things uh, with each other. And then the next day they went back to shooting at each other. But there's just something uh, that gives hope in the midst of a very bleak, bleak world at times. And again, that's you're one message away from God, one word from God away from having hope again, having a different perspective. And, uh, and, and of course, that's why some people have such bad Christmas experiences. Uh, maybe it's a really dysfunctional family background or you know, no one invited them for Christmas. They, and it could be a very de- depressing time. But uh, I think Christmas is meant to be a time of hope. Uh, yeah. That even in your darkened world, uh, if there's no one else with you, uh, God sees you and God has come for you just like he's come for everyone else. And, uh, and so I think, uh, you know, you, you may just at Christmas time kind of turn the news off the TV for a while and just reminisce and think and consider the hope that comes from uh, a Savior coming down from heaven. Uh, and well, and I think walking. it's good. Yeah, it's good to do do those things that aren't ordinary as well. So like yeah. that's, that's, I think that's the, the one time of year to be extravagant or to be extra special or just yeah. out of the ordinary. Right. Uh, and, you know, kind of going along with that, a third thing is just certainly the feelings of joy. Uh, you know, it just says over and over again, there's t- angels tell the shepherds, these are tidings of great joy. Uh, the, the gospel, the word gospel itself means good news. And, um, and you, Elizabeth thought that she was never going to have children. And then an angel comes and says, you're going to have John the Baptist. And she's filled with joy. And they're just, uh, Mary is told these spectacular things that are going to happen. Of all the women, the Jewish women, all dreamed of being the mother of the Messiah. And she's told it's going to be you. you you're the one God has chosen. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you just, you, they're just joy permeates the Christmas story. Now, yeah. there's hard things there as well, but, but you can't, when, when God suddenly uh, sort of breaks his way into your world and into your life and says, hey, I have a plan for you, and I know you, and, and I have wonderful things in store, and I'm going to use you, doesn't mean that Jesus' life isn't difficult, that Mary doesn't suffer watching her son dying on a cross. There's, you know, it's not all easy, but there's joy there. And, uh, and I, I just feel like, uh, that's what Christmas is intended to do. Of course, like everything, we can abuse what God intends. We can neglect that. Uh, our life sin mars us from experiencing uh, the fullness of what God intends. But, but Christmas is a joyful message, uh, mm-hmm. that there is, there is hope that God knows us. He cares about us. He's come down to be with us. Emmanuel means God with us. And is there anything more joyful than being creatures of dust, alienated, separated from Almighty God, our Creator, and then for God to say, I'm coming down to be with you, uh, to walk with you, to to restore uh, relationship with you. Uh, and so I, I think about uh, all the different people that experience joy during the Christmas story. And I think that that's why that feeling, that emotion 
still prevail so much in the Chris, in Christmas today. And then kind of related to that is just the idea of salvation, that if had Jesus, had the Savior not come to earth, uh, we would all be uh, unsaved. We, we'd have no hope at all. There'd be no rescue. And so uh, to, to have God in a perfect heaven, uh, a perfect, holy, joyful realm of, of spirits, looking down at these frail creatures of dust, uh, foolishly doing self-destructive things in bondage to sin and uh, death, and for God to leave that perfect heaven to come and save us uh, when we could not save ourselves. Uh, ultimately, that's the message of heaven, or, of, of Christmas, and I think that's why sometimes when we watch on the news and we see all the negative things happening, we just need to understand there is nothing that we can face in this life that God cannot save us from, uh, that God is bigger than our worst problems. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the message of Christmas is we were facing the worst things humanity could face, sin, death, uh, destruction, oppression. And, and Christmas says you, you don't face a problem that God can't provide salvation from. Yeah. And, uh, and so a fifth one is just uh, the ordinariness. So much of the Christmas story is embedded in ordinary stuff. I mean, uh, Joseph and Mary are going to Bethlehem uh, because they've got a, there's a census and it's all about taxation. <laughs> What's more ordinary than paying taxes? And yeah. the, the whole fact that Joseph and Mary aren't in Nazareth where they grew up is because they had to go to Bethlehem because of of paying taxes and 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 so tra- yeah we, I think we forget that it, they didn't go to Bethlehem to have the the baby yeah you know it was yeah it was just fulfilling a government duty uh, yeah. filling out government forms and and then you know what's more uh, mundane than trying to find a, a, a vacant room in a motel somewhere and uh i've been there where you know we drove as a family years ago and we'd kind of think i hadn't really booked hotels in advance like i should have back then back even before internet was real big uh just thinking well when we get to that town we'll look around we'll try to find a motel and pull in and see if they've got room which is a terrible way to, to, to do that. I would never do that now. Yeah, but, if you want surprises, that's yeah, a, great, yeah. a great way to go. Uh, and so when you think about finding a hotel, the shepherds are doing the, the graveyard shift. I've worked graveyard shifts uh, for a couple of years, and uh, I'll tell you what, there's nothing much more mundane than that, trying to stay awake all night, uh, working the job and the shift no one else wants to. Uh, but but the Christmas story is embedded in the ordinariness of life. Yeah. Uh, taxes, work, uh, travel, uh, trying to you know get bills paid, trying to just work out logistics, pregnancy, caring for a very pregnant wife as you travel, uh, all the logistics of that. And the Bible doesn't tell us if like Mary had morning sickness riding on a donkey, yeah. um, you know, all day long for several days. Uh, ordinary living. And again, I think that's why the Christmas story is so attractive because it speaks to ordinary people living ordinary lives. And then God kind of bursts forth into our ordinary lives and says, there's, there's reasons for hope and reasons for joy. And maybe one, one last one for the break is just, uh, it's also kind of a corporate thing. Uh, you don't see a lot of individuals. It, It typically, 
it's you know even Mary and, and Joseph were in this together. Uh, yeah. And and they're going to start their little family with Jesus now. They're little now they're a couple with a little baby. Uh, you've got a bunch of shepherds all there tending uh, their flocks by night uh, together. You've got three, well, we think three wise men. Uh, that's what the, the, that's what the, the song carol says me. anyway. Yeah. But but we know that there are wise men with an E, not an A. And so there's uh, at least a couple of them. And they're searching together. They're on a journey together. And it just seems to be that uh, in so many ways, um, it's about... people together and of course that's why when you're not together at christmas when you're at home in your apartment and have nowhere to go for christmas dinner to open your presents um it's uh that can be a really hard time and uh and so i you know it's meant to be a time of celebrating with others with family with friends uh i remember years and years ago i was a pastor and we had a student uh, minister that was single at the time and uh a, a young woman that was working with students and uh we just you know we realized she's we don't she, that just we don't want her just to be alone she's far from her family and so we just invited her to come spend the night with us christmas eve and and we had talked to people in the church and a bunch of people had donated some gifts that we'd put under the tree and i'll tell you that was probably one of the most enjoyable things um that yeah. we did that year or that we did in many a christmas she she thought that she's going to just politely sit there and watch while a, a family opened all their gifts, but we kept telling the kids, "Hey, you know, Mike, uh, give this gift to her. She, this is another. We found another gift for her under the tree. She had probably more gifts than we did because <laughs> the church people had sent all these. Yeah. And I just remember that being so impactful to her. But I just think Christmas was designed uh, to to be celebrated with others, yeah. and that's a time when you. You have Christmas parties. You you do things together. It, Christianity is meant to be corporate. It's meant to be shared, and Christmas is kind of the epitome of that. Where you don't want to just do it alone. You don't. It just yeah. doesn't. It's not it right. Doesn't feel right. Yeah. To sit alone in your 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 apartment celebrating Christmas by yourself. I mean, it, you, sometimes you may have to do it that way, just by the nature of where you are in life and your work or whatever else. But. Uh, it's meant to be shared with others, and yeah. that's that's the way it's intended. Well, and I think given the option, people are always going to share it with others if 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 at all possible. Yeah. So, well, good. Well, these are this is a great uh, a great start to this Christmas episode, and uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. God's power and love have no limits, so why do Christians put limits on their relationship with Him? We could be pursuing greater knowledge, experiencing deeper intimacy, and abiding in freer joy, and yet we routinely settle for mediocrity in our spiritual lives. But if you're ready to explode your self-imposed limits, the Unlimiting God class will show you that you need not settle for less than what God intends for you. God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people, but only when we allow Him to enlarge our spiritual capacity and overcome our self-imposed limits. Registration is now open for Unlimiting God, based on the book Unlimiting God by Richard Blackaby. This six-week study can be found at blackabeyinstitute.com. Learn with others from around the world in this online class. Well, Richard, this is my <clears throat> my favorite time of year, Christmas, filled with uh, holiday treats, delicious food, <laughs> uh, family, traditions. Um, maybe just as we as we wrap up here, thinking back on that that first Christmas, uh, sort of where we draw a lot of our traditions from. Uh, what, what are what are a few more of those uh, the feelings that you get, the the 
thoughts that come up when you think about uh, that, that first Christmas? Yeah, well, I think it, it's just good news. You know, the, the it's almost like the angels couldn't couldn't hardly contain themselves as they're letting the, the shepherds know. You know, yeah, this is sort of exploded. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is this is great news, great joy, and. Uh, uh, and you, you want to tell people, and uh, and then they, the the shepherds took off to tell everybody what they had seen, and the the wise men traveled a great distance, hundreds of miles, uh, to be able to find this uh, this baby because they knew that this was unusual, this was special, and uh, mm-hmm. and they went away to report what they'd found, and uh, and I I just think that we've kind of lost that sometimes. We we need as as Christians to remember, enjoy, enjoy your food, enjoy the presence. Enjoyed the fellowship, but but don't lose sight of the fact that this is good news. Uh, you know, it you you get the sense that heaven knows how awesome this moment is, and all the angelic beings in heaven are celebrating, and there's a huge party going on there. And then it's almost like heaven just sort of thinks, "Hey, let's go let those earthlings know. Let let let's let those humans know." Uh, how amazing this is. Uh, And they they really don't have any idea. They're kind of down there stumbling in darkness and have no idea that the light has just been just been introduced into their darkened world and and they can have hope and joy now. And so, you know, I think it is a time often, even as you just interact with other people and, and, you know, uh, restaurants or stores or other places, just just strangers you just come across, this is a time to be able to talk about good things and positive things and and uh, share about the hope that you have. And so never lose sight of that. The, 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 Christian, the, the, the Christmas story is about good news, the best news ever, that God has not abandoned us. He's not just washed his hands of us and said those foolish creatures of dust, I'm just done with them. But it's like, no, I've come up with a master plan to, to save them and rescue them. Um, yeah. And so it's good news. Another one is just that, you know, I think you, we need to remember, though, the Christmas story happens in an age of evil. And that King Herod is such an egocentric, evil, corrupt uh, government leader. The government, uh, and of course, and that's just in, in you know, Israel. Uh, and then you've got uh, Tiberius, you had Augustus at that time, uh, the, the first full-fledged Roman emperor, uh, extending his control, the, the, the Roman emperors for, and the Caesars for years to come will be ruling uh, the known world. And so uh, lots of evil, lots of persecution, lots of corruption will, will take place because of that. And so sometimes we forget that doesn't always show up in church Christmas pageants, uh, you know, corrupt Caesars and Roman armies marching yeah. uh, through the land. And Although I, I will <laughs> say uh, we were, uh, I was playing with my three-year-old Claire and she was uh, asking, we were putting together a nativity and she was asking where King Herod was. So she was <laughs> concerned that... Uh, particular nativity set didn't include King Herod. So, you know, she is always going to have a unique perspective on things. Uh, but like he is one of the most evil, corrupt, uh, insecure, paranoid government leaders in history. And that is when Christmas takes place. There's been a lot of paranoid government leaders in history. So that's saying something. So, uh, you know, I think that that again, though, that gives you hope because Christmas doesn't happen in just a pristine paradise. It happens in the midst of all kinds of, of 
evil government and regulations and rules and violence. Uh, and in the midst of our darkened world is when Christmas happens. And I yeah. think, uh, again, maybe that's why it's so special, because in every generation we have that kind of evil that takes place, and yet Christmas uh, is not intimidated by the evil of humanity. Mm. Uh, a, ninth, a ninth one is just uh, gifts. Uh, the wise men bring gifts. Of course, that's why we think there were at least three wise men, because there's three gifts mentioned. But it's, it is a time of giving. And, uh, and I think that's probably, again, why Christmas is so popular. Sometimes you can be stressed out about it if you've got a lot of gifts to, to pick up and buy, and you haven't gotten them all. But yeah, but uh, you know, there's just something special about giving gifts. It's kind of a universal kind of uh, language of yeah. uh, showing affection, uh, showing kindness, thoughtfulness, and uh, you know, in some ways, it's maybe too bad that a lot of things we we only give to others at this time of year. Uh, but uh, but I think Christmas is about giving. God obviously gave the greatest gift of ever given. And so it ought to inspire us. I think Jesus' followers ought to be gift givers uh, yeah. at some level. We love to give because... Uh, well, your, your wife is, is notorious <laughs> at, at <laughs> gift giving. And she is, and it's, it really is, I think, uh, I think good gift giving is sort of a lost art as well. Yeah. Like just, not just like, hey, here's a gift card, or which those are fine. There's nothing wrong with those. But, mm-hmm. but, but giving gifts that are thoughtful and, and say to the person, hey, I've... I've paid attention to the things that you yeah need in your life or the things that maybe you want and yeah and that's that is like that's a very special and thing. it's uh and to to truly find joy in giving you know we 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 often find joy in receiving but uh to be the kind of person that just takes great joy in giving i, I know like at christmas Lisa is really slow about opening her own gifts because she's taking such delight in watching people open yeah. their gifts and and she truly finds joy in, in the joy others have in receiving and uh and I think that's just part of what the the spirit of Christmas is is giving. Yeah. A a tenth thing is just, you know, Christmas represents heaven coming down to earth. It's it's like this, the the realities of heaven are suddenly shared with uh, the people of earth, and and I, you know I, I think that that's a big thing. For, I mean, God has always had a plan uh, to redeem humanity. He's been working it out through the generations. Uh, if you could be a heavenly creature seeing God upon His throne, you would know that despite what's going on in the news, uh, the news reports, what government dic- you know evil dictators are doing, that heaven is marshaling its plan year by year, step by step. And, uh, and so, you know, the angel suddenly bursting forth from heaven to let the earth know and the son of God leaving heaven to come to earth. And, uh, the, the reality of, of what heaven knows is now being shared with earth. And I think that's just a, a, a powerful moment where you've got this darkened world and then you've got a heaven filled with with brilliant light, and it's like heaven bursts forth into earth and says, "Hey, that's you don't know all the story. You don't know all that's going on." Yeah. And I think Christmas is that that beautiful moment where heaven intercepts earth, and the spiritual uh, joins in with the physical, and uh, that dynamic is a powerful thing. And we can become so enmeshed in the flesh and what we see with our physical eyes 
that we miss what God sees with in the spiritual realm. And so that's kind of what that represents. And two last things, uh, uh, an 11th thing is just that it, it, all the ages are represented. You've got Mary, that's probably just a teenager, the excitement of, of, of her future, what lies ahead and giving birth for the first time and, uh, and being swept up into the activity of God. But, but you've got, uh, you've got shepherds, uh, they're going to be older. Uh, you're going to have wise men that are probably older still that, uh, have been around a long time and gained much wisdom. And then after Jesus is born, when he's taken to the temple, you've got people like Anna and Simeon that are rejoicing. They're, they're, they're elderly. They're both at the end of their life, but God is going to bless them by letting them see, uh, the savior before they, they die. And there's just something about Christmas that, that speaks to every age. You're never, I, and I love the stories of Anna and Simeon because what that says is you're, you're never too old for Christmas uh, to still minister to you and impact yeah. you. Um, you you've got, it's not just a, a, a holiday for kids to get to open presents. Uh, it's, uh, it's for everyone. And, and, you know, as you get older, it's not so much about the presents you got anymore. You know, you, you probably have what you need anyway, whether you had another Christmas or not, but, uh, it's about celebrating the family, friends, uh, God, uh, and just enjoying the laughter that that's, uh, taking place in your home. Uh, and so it's one of those times it's sort of multi-generational. It's, uh, you know, I, the one thing I don't like is, having to assemble stuff for the young kids the rest of the day. <laughs> That's, that, that could be a curse. And the young kids say, yeah. look, I've got this 10,000-piece Lego set. Could you spend the rest of Christmas building Oh, well, that would me? be fun. Yeah. There's some, some things yeah, that are yeah, less fun Yeah, some things are assemble. less fun, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but it's meant to be for all ages, and they're all in the Christmas story. You've got young people, old people, all being swept up and impacted, and I think it's a beautiful thing how... Christmas ties every generation together. And, mm. you know, I remember just waking up as a kid and my grandparents uh, on my mom's side would have come over early that morning and they're already in, in place in our living room when we walk out the door. They weren't at our house when we went to bed last night, but, you know, you're looking around the room and you've got, there's my, there's grandma and grandpa and there's, look at the, the gifts and the brothers and uh, and you know, we enjoy that. We've got, uh, of course, Daniel, my son lives across the street from us. And so they've just kind of traditionally had us come over each morning to watch the twins come down and open their presents. And, uh, and that's just a lot of fun. Like we don't open any presents at that, that point. We, yeah. we usually have the family gather later and we open our presents then, but, but just the joy as grandparents to watch grandkids opening up gifts is, uh, you know, whether you, you open a solitary gift of your own or not, it's just fun to share in the joy of youth yeah. and those kids. Well, and, there's there's no one, like, I think you can, it's hard to feel better about giving a gift than if you give a gift to a kid. Like, yeah. There's just so much enthusiasm. Yeah, and, I think some adults can be like, oh, thanks, that's nice. You know, yeah. Tuck but, that away. But, like, kids, yeah, like, they go crazy. And, like, crazy. yours now at three, she yeah. is going to just, oh, it's, uh, and it's, she's such a all into things anyway but yeah and kind of i guess just the last thing is uh it's just it's about family you know you got joseph and mary uh they're now a family but they're they now they've got a baby they their family is 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 being launched and uh you know there's just something special i i still remember when when lisa and i first christmas we spent just 
at in our own home we were we'd gone to texas from canada to go to school and we couldn't afford to come home and lisa was working and we had babies and just our parents couldn't afford to fly us all back and and uh, and i remember we're going to very spartan apartment uh two little kids um and we didn't have a lot of money for groceries. It was going to just be our family that year uh, for for Christmas uh, dinner and everything. And and I just remember it being kind of magical. And a night or two before Christmas, uh, I taught a, a an adult Sunday school class for single adults. And uh, a bunch of the singles had all shown up at our house, and they'd gotten a tree. We didn't. We weren't even going to have a tree, but they had bought a tree, and they came in, and they had all brought decorations and decorated this tree and brought food and I mean it was just so thoughtful to minister to us um, and it was a very magical Christmas probably one of my favorite Christmases was just our little family um, and just the joy we we, we spent uh, with each other and uh, and I, I you know sadly there are families that are not uh, close that that don't have joy when they gather and again, that's I think sin has broken families from what it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. But don't ever lose sight because it might be hard for for some people. Don't ever diminish what God intended. And God's intention was that Christmas was a time for families and yeah. for families to to be drawn closer. And if it, all you got is Joseph and Mary and and a baby, you're or if you don't have a baby, but you're a couple or you're you're a single, you may be a, a one person family right now. Uh, they can't get with other relatives, but uh, but look for for the family that God's put in your life at this time and uh, celebrate that. I remember when we moved to Winnipeg to start a, a pastor church. I had an aunt that lived there that I didn't really know very well, hadn't been around very much, uh, and and uh, we just didn't have occasion to be around her much. She actually divorced my dad's uh, older brother, and so. Technically, we weren't maybe even related officially anymore, but uh, but we reached out to her because she was family, and uh, and that became a very special relationship we had. It was kind of an awkward sort of way that we were still related, but but you know what? It, it's just Christmas is a time just to reach out uh, to people, maybe that you haven't spent as much time with, you don't know as well, yeah. and uh, maybe it's a time just to do some healing, some repair work uh, in family at times, and uh, send a card or a gift, or just let some things go and realize, hey, we're, we are family. This is the family I've got. I want to make the best of it. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, lots of thoughts that come from the Christmas story. There's a reason that a lot of the traditions have developed around Christmas that, that there has been. And a lot of it comes from the original Christmas story yeah. and just being true to that. So uh, anyway, let, we'll leave it there. But uh, I pray for all those listeners that, uh, uh, that God will truly uh, bless you as a family as well. And uh, that this will be a wonderful Christmas for you in this season also. Well, from the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast uh, to your family, we wish you all a Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackaby.org.